to um thank you that's that new feature press continue and we'll carry on good to uh good to see you. it was great to be with you i must admit as i drove further uh north and east up into wiltshire it just got grayer and wetter so you're all saying what a lovely afternoon it was down there um sadly not so up here but anyway safely home and uh, thank you for your hospitality and to Ash and Claire as well for having me uh, back for lunch. It was great to um, spend time with you guys. I want to read from uh, the scriptures and we're looking at Psalm 92. Psalm 92 and um, I'll read it from the uh, New International Version, but then I'm going to um, use the New Living Translation for some of the, the quotes as I reflect on it. So Psalm 92 and reading from the NIV and I'll read the whole of the psalm and uh, this is what it says. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you made me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. Senseless people do not know. Fools do not understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the right of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. I know that God will bless the reading of his word. It's, um, it's a hymn of praise. It's a song to be sung. It's one of the weird things, isn't it, about um, watching worship songs while we share a, a service together on Zoom. And I know we're all on mute. So if you do sing, it's uh, at least in time with yourself, even if it's not in tune with the music and uh, no one else can hear it. And that's one of the strangeness, strangenesses of um, a meeting on Zoom. But some of these songs, some of these great hymns and Psalm 92 is a psalm to be sung. And the psalmist uh, or the editor writes, it's a song to be sung on the Sabbath day. This is a special song that's worth building out. And there are three elements of Psalm 92 that I just want us to work our way through together. Um, and uh, it, it sits, um, it falls open easier to me, at least in the New Living Translation. Someone said that, um, I don't know if this is true, it sounds like a made up thing, but it's interesting. Uh, and I think it's a, some semblance of truth. Uh, anyone 
coming to the King James or authorized version of the Bible, uh, it is said needs degree level English. Well, I was brought up with it. So either you're brought up with it or you need a very high level of understanding of the English language. Someone reading the NIV needs um, uh, GCSE or A-level level English. Someone coming to the New Living Translation needs 11-year-old English. So that's why I think the New Living Translation works for me, and I like to um, preach from it. But there are three simple little elements here. Number one, the first five verses, the psalmist talks about preaching joy to himself. I'm going to preach joy to myself, and we're going to reflect on that. What does he mean by preaching joy to himself, and how, how do we need to do that in our lives as well? Then secondly, he preaches wisdom to the world, preaching joy to myself, preaching wisdom to the world. He contrasts the end of the fool and the person he trusts in God, the thankful person and the foolish person. So preaching joy to myself, preaching wisdom to the world and preaching hope, the third section, verses 12 to 15, preaching hope to the generations, preaching hope to the generations. First of all, preaching joy to myself. You, you could sum this up with the simple words, give thanks, give thanks. And uh, he declares that. What, what did it say at the beginning? It's good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. It's good to give thanks. It's good to praise God. I know that as I um, uh, talk to many Christians, Christian leaders, evangelists, and, uh, and other believers, that many believers, perhaps more than you might realize, struggle with issues of doubt or despair or uncertainty. And um, years ago, I remember sitting down with my wife, Rachel, and uh, chatting about um, what, what we called and what others have called that little voice inside. You know, the voice that says, you're not good enough. You're rubbish. You're a useless Christian. You're hopeless. You'll never amount to much. If only those people at church knew what you were really like. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm pretty sure that lots of us have had a voice like that, discouraging us, tripping us, causing doubt in our hearts. It's interesting, as Rachel and I had talked about that, we came across and we did a course in Hereford called the Freedom in Christ course. And the speaker on Freedom in Christ, Steve Goss, makes the simple reflection, and it's this. He says, too many of us spend too much time listening to ourselves and not enough time speaking to ourselves. So just... Just want you to get that. Think about that little voice that I've just described. And now think about what the psalmist is saying. Too many of us spend too much time listening to ourselves and not enough time speaking to ourselves. So what, is, what does he mean? Now, before you tell me that talking to yourself is a sign of madness, can I assure you it's already far too late for me if it is? The number of times when my family walk into the kitchen and they say, who were you speaking to? And the answer is me. Um, uh, it just gets beyond the point of embarrassment. But the psalmist, and again and again, whether it's David or one of the other writers in the Psalms, regularly speaks truth to his heart. You see, the little voice of doubt, 
the voice of Satan in our hearts or in our heads, the, the, the flesh in, in my, of my old nature that says, you're useless, you might as well give up, you're not very good, if only they knew what you were really like. That's the voice that we listen to too much. What we need to do is take hold of scripture and speak it to ourselves. Speak it to ourselves. I have on the walls around me, you can't see it, but the walls here next to the window, just in front of me, I've got some scriptures. I've, I've got some, you probably see some paintings on the wall. This one just behind me is um, one that uh, one of my daughters painted with, with a, a verse, a text on it. How deep the Father's love to us. One of those songs is, is written on the wall. How deep the Father's love for us good reminders that I need to speak to myself. Again, I look over on my left. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives too. A reminder from the word of God, not just to be a preacher, but to live my life for Jesus Christ. And having these things written on the wall and visible to me reminds me that I need to speak truth into my heart. And God's word is truth. And that's why, brothers and sisters, it's good to memorize verses. It's good to speak them, speak them out to yourself. And it's great to sing some of these wonderful songs. You know, I, I know that the Chinese government are probably tracking me. N number one, because I've had my double dose of the vaccine. And number two, because I've got two Alexa boxes in my house. So I I'm kind of not bothered. I don't mind if, um, if the conspiracy theories are true. Um, if the president of China knows where I am, God bless you. I hope you get to hear the gospel. But um, the, the reality is that we love Alexa in our house, and I haven't got it in this room. If I say it loud enough, she'll start playing downstairs. But um, we love it because you can just say, Alexa, play Christian worship music. And it just will play songs that will lift my heart, and I get to sing to myself, sing out the truth of the living God. Don't spend so much time listening to yourself and more time speaking to yourself, more time singing to yourself. That's the format of many of the Psalms. You see that voice of despair and doubt can be very loud in our hearts and in our heads. But the Psalmist says, no, I'm going to speak truth to myself instead of listening to and believing lies. You often get phrases in the Psalms, don't you? You'll recognize this one, I think. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? But what is that if it's not the Psalmist speaking to himself? He's saying, why are you so depressed? And then he tells himself something about the truth of God's amazing love and faithfulness. Or you get other um, repetitious uh, elements of the Psalms, things like, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. What's he doing? He's declaring truth to himself. He's speaking to himself. And here the writer declares, sing truth about God. As the New Living Translation says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Giving thanks, that theme appears at least 24 times across all the Psalms. You know that old hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one. That, that old chorus, that old song does exactly that kind of thing. 
When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. So, brothers and sisters, I want you to be encouraged as we come to this psalm. I want you not to, not to think that it's stupid or ridiculous to learn scriptures and to speak them to yourself, to write them and put them on your desk or to have them visible in your home. It's good to remind ourselves of these truths. It's good, says the psalmist, to sing praise. I wonder if the Apostle Paul was meditating on Psalm 92 when he wrote the following words in Ephesians 5, verse 18 to 20. Don't be drunk with wine. Those of you who've got a drink on the table, just keep it out of sight for the time being. Um, you might have missed that conversation if you come in a bit late. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know, it's been the, the, one of the hardest things for me, and I think for some of you too, to um, have to be masked up when we're meeting at church and then not be able to belt out the truth of God's word in song. I love singing. And brothers and sisters, as soon as we can get back to belting out some of these songs and encouraging our hearts, the better. But there's no restriction on singing them at home. In fact, Paul says, sing them among yourselves and make music to the Lord in your hearts. So it's something I can do when we're together, but it's also something I need to do when I'm on my own, giving thanks for everything to God the Father. And so as we give thanks, as we sing praise, the psalmist here in Psalm 92 says, I do it accompanied by music. I must admit, I um, grew up in a, in a brethren church where we didn't have music. There was a sort of belief, and some of you will identify with it and may have grown up in similar background, but there was a sort of sense that musical instruments were, were not something that we should use, and they appear in the Psalms, but not particularly in the New Testament. And so we didn't have an organ or a piano or anything else. In fact, it was written into the deeds of the Gospel Hall that we weren't allowed to have a musical instrument in the building. Can you believe that? Well, um, I didn't stay there particularly long because I need music. I need music. And I think the scriptures encourage music and the psalmist encourages music. Verse three, accompanied by the 10 stringed instrument, the harp and the melody of the lyre. And so we need music. I need music in my life. I love music. I love all kinds of music. If you heard my iPod on shuffle, you would think I am a very strange person indeed. It probably goes from heavy metal to the Gaithers to Mozart and everything else in between with loads of worship music in there, of course. I love music, but God's truth set to music is the greatest of things. Encourage one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What do we sing about? Well, we sing about God's, the psalmist here in verse two reflects on God's unfailing love. It's good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning. 
you know, God's love is unfailing. What a great theme for our song. What a great theme. His faithfulness in the evening, your love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. As we get to the end of the day, just give God thanks. God, you're such a faithful God. You are always there. You never leave me nor forsake me. The psalmist goes on to say, giving thanks for all that God has done. I love the way the New Living puts it. The, the new, uh, NIV says, um, you make me glad by your deeds. But listen to this in the New Living. You thrill me, Lord, with all you've done for me. I love that. You thrill me, Lord. You thrill my heart. So often I go through life unthrilled, average. Um, I was an average student at school. I was neither the most stupid nor the most bright. I was average. And um, sometimes I think average or mediocre is um, not a great way to sum up our lives. I don't want to be a mediocre Christian when it comes to praise. I want to be someone who, because I remind myself what God has done, I remind myself of his love in the morning, his faithfulness in the evening, that I'm able to say, God, you thrill me you thrill me. And, you know, I think being thrilled by God is the result of deliberately reminding ourselves of all that God has done. Sometimes I wonder if you um, are thinking, well, I'm, I'm not particularly thrilled. Well, maybe we just don't remind ourselves. One of the things I missed most during the lockdowns was communion, was breaking bread, was just stopping and reflecting on what Christ had done on the cross and doing that together with other brothers and sisters. Reflecting on Christ and Calvary through communion to be able to say, Lord, you thrill me. Lord, I'm thrilled at all you've done for me. And the psalmist also in verse five reflects on the wonders of creation. Lord, what great works you, you do. How deep are your thoughts? And you find this kind of theme again and again in the Psalms, where we're encouraged to lift our eyes and look up at the heavens, the work of his hands, of his fingers, and give God thanks. But then we're encouraged to look into our hearts and see what God is doing there as well. Well, may God help us to be thankful. And may God help you not to feel that it's a sign of madness, but actually a sign of wisdom to start speaking truth to yourself and to memorize scripture, to refresh yourself of it, and to speak it out loud. We had the, um, the joy just the other day of, uh, um, we have a family WhatsApp group with my wife and uh, my, my girls and myself, and we just put little messages on there. Half of what we put on there is complete nonsense, and some of it's probably unrepeatable outside our family. But um, one of the things that we put on there is just giving God thanks for his faithfulness. We had to put a uh, on our on a credit card um, a boat trip to Northern Ireland our summer holiday we, we're not going to be able like most of you I guess to go abroad but I've got family in Northern Ireland I'm desperate to get over and see them and so we booked the boat we booked an Airbnb and uh, of course it all adds up and I said to Rachel we, we, you know I haven't quite got enough to pay for it at the end of the month when the credit card comes through Richard said, well, I've got some savings. I could help out with it a bit as we, we scurry money away in different little pots. And I said, no, let's, let's pray about it and see if the Lord will provide. And um, just the other, the other day, I looked in the bank account 
And um, as of tomorrow, the money would completely dip into the red. And uh, I looked in the bank account and a totally unexpected gift from a church who never gave us a gift into the bank in June, gave us a hundred pounds more than we needed to meet the cost of the credit card. Now, I, I don't like to um, spend on the credit card and I don't like to be in debt, but we're desperate like you are to get out and see people. And I said, Lord, we're desperate. We need you to meet our need. And, you know, it was great to put on WhatsApp that little story. You know, mom and I have been praying that God would meet our need. And this morning, a check came into the bank, a, a transfer that I didn't know anything about. And isn't God faithful? Isn't God amazing? Isn't God good? And we were able to encourage our family to give God thanks for his daily and ongoing faithfulness for us. I'd encourage you to, to do the same. Secondly, preaching wisdom to the world. First of all, um, preaching uh, thankfulness to my own heart, but secondly, preaching wisdom to the world. And you get that from verse 6 down to verse 11. Verse 6 in the NIV says, senseless people do not know. But again, um, I like my um, schoolboy English. The NLT says, only a simpleton wouldn't know. I love that. Only a simpleton wouldn't know. Only a fool would not understand this. The fool is a theme in scripture. I don't know if you saw the interview um, with Robert Peston and uh, Keir Stammer on uh, the telly. I didn't see it, but I did read some of it. And um, I, I think uh, Ash was telling me about Robert Peston traveling on one of the trains down to the G7 event. Uh, just the other week, but um, Robert Peston asked Keir Starmer um, about his own faith, and Keir Starmer quite clearly said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. Boris Johnson uh, was then pestered by Robert Peston uh, to say, would, would you do an interview with me and talk about your faith? You've got married in a Catholic church at Westminster a cathedral, will you tell me about your faith? Are you a Roman Catholic? Boris Johnson said, I'm not going to answer your questions. I'm not speaking to you about it. And then uh, Peston wrote to him and said, well, Keir Starmer told me that he doesn't believe in God, to which Boris replied, showing his knowledge of the classics and of, of the authorized version of the Bible, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And then give no further comment on the issue at all. Of course, we don't really know what Boris himself believes, but it's interesting that he knew that Bible verse. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So the fool is a theme. And, you know, it's possible for Christians to live foolishly. I, I was um, going to speak this morning till I realized that uh, you would give me a subject of Acts 19, but I've been meditating and thinking about the... Um, uh, some of the parables in the Gospel of Luke. We're thinking about the prodigal son, but also about the rich fool in Luke chapter 16, is it? And the rich fool who says, I'm going, things are going well. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build greater ones. And I'm going to say to myself, eat, drink, and be merry. And God says to him, you fool, you fool, because tonight your soul is required of you. You see, the fool lives their life as though they're not accountable to God. The fool makes plans only for this life, and the fool makes no plans for the life to come. And so the psalmist contrasts 
those who trust in God, those who remind themselves every day of God's love and care and faithfulness, and he contrasts and compares them with the fool. And this is a challenge for us. Only fools look at the world, look at creation, look at what God has done and feel to give thanks to him. Um, some of us said the only thing worse than a prayerless life is a lifeless prayer. The only thing worse than a prayerless life is a lifeless prayer. And that's why I think it's good to get into the habit of giving thanks so that God's spirit may bring to life what he's doing and thrill me and thrill you. And, you know, when you're thrilled with God, it changes your heart. The writer contrasts the short term gain of fools. It says they flourish like the grass. But you and I know that the grass quickly withers. And he compares that with the eternal victory and values of God. Verse seven, though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish and all evildoers will be scattered. We live in a world of short termism, don't we? You know, stuff wears out and then you have to throw it away. And um, we're, we're, of course, because of the environmental uh, issues being encouraged to reuse and uh, repurpose things. And that's a good thing to do. But we've lived, many of us, through a whole lifetime of disposable goods, disposable fridges, disposable televisions, disposable computers and laptops and batteries. And um, we live in a world full of short termism. And God says, look, you need to have an eternal perspective. It may look like people are flourishing, but actually they will perish. And the psalmist says in verse 11, my eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. He's seen the future and their downfall is certain. I had the joy of um, meeting a lady just in uh, on the edge of Swindon, Tim Cracknell, who is a, a county's uh, worker and involved with us in church planting uh, based up in the Forest of Dean at Cinderford. Tim and I were down looking at a little closed gospel hall. I don't mean closed as in narrow or tight. Um, I mean closed as in completely shut. And um, we were down looking at this little place on the edge of Swindon. And uh, we were asked by the trustees as to whether it might be possible to see workers raised up and replant and reestablish a new work in that building. Tim has a niece who's uh, living with his uh, sister and her husband down there, a niece from, from Africa. He has a brother, Phil, who's been a missionary in Africa and married an African uh, lady. And um, so his, uh, his niece is over now living in the UK and work she works in a little cafe in Rawton, where we visit it on the edge of Swindon. And uh, the lady who runs the little cafe, turns out she's a Christian. We got into a great conversation with her. Her name is Nana. She grew, she grew up in Kenya, but she fled because of persecution to this country. And she lived for a while in Wales, in Cardiff. And she told us that she was a Christian. And I said, how did you become a Christian, Nana? And she said, well, I was a Muslim. And five years ago, when the Islamic State, when ISIS, IS, came to prominence, she said, I was fascinated and interested in the end times and teachings of Islam, what is going to happen at the end of the world. And so she said, I studied Islamic eschatology 
from the Quran and from the writings and teachings of, of Muslim leaders. But she said, I got to a point where I couldn't understand. This is back in 2015, 2016. I got to a point, she said, where I couldn't understand why Jews believed one thing and Christians believed another thing and Muslims believed another. And she said, I understood that the black flag, the ISIS flag, was the rallying cry from Islamic eschatology from end time end of the world teaching in islam the black flag is the rallying cry for muslims to rally around to form a great army and you see muslims believe that jesus will return that muslims believe in the second coming of christ but they believe that he will come to rally muslims to the black flag and they will then march in victory on jerusalem and slaughter all the jews that was the that was the um, intent of ISIS to rally Islamic support and to march on Jerusalem and to usher in the end by seeing the return of Jesus, who they believe is a prophet. But she said, I thought, well, that can't be. So she said, I began to pray. Not all Muslims pray, but she said, most don't pray deeply from their heart. But for the first time in my, in my life, I prayed deeply from my heart. And I said, God, Please show me which is true. And then she said to me, in my kitchen, I saw Jesus. I said, was it a dream? She said, no. I said, what is it? was it a vision? She said, no, it was real. I said, what happened? She said, I saw Jesus in my kitchen. And what happened? I asked her. She said, well, he was sitting on a white horse. I said, really? Yes, he was sitting on a white horse. And he told me, that when he came, that all people would rally to him and he would have victory over his enemies and that she needed to learn what it meant to become a follower of Jesus. She said, I knew that Christians believed the Bible and that they followed Jesus. And so I ran to a church and um, I knew there was a cafe in, uh, in Thornhill, a church which I know in Cardiff. And I went to the cafe and I asked for this lady who I knew was a Christian. And um, I asked her to explain it to me. And she said, I must tell you, I'd also had a dream. And in this dream, a tall man picked me up and put me on his shoulders and carried me to my house. But when I got to my house, it felt for the first time like I was home. I knew it was my house but it felt like home and the tall man put me down and said, you must ask the Christians. And so she went to this church and she told them her dream and she told them that she had had this picture of Jesus and the lady that she asked for went and got a Bible off the shelf and she came to her and she opened up the story of the good shepherd, the shepherd who went to look for the one lost sheep and talked about how Jesus picks the sheep up and puts it on his shoulders and he brings the sheep safely home, the lost sheep. And this lady told Nana, Jesus is looking for you. He's come for you. And it seems to me that he's found you and now he's inviting you to come into his family and into his home. And Nana told me that she gave her life to Jesus. And then she said, I went home and I read the book of Revelation. I've got to be honest, she said, I didn't understand much. <laughs> I said, well, it's not the normal place to start. She said, I didn't understand much, but I did understand this. I saw clearly that Jesus indeed wins, coming riding on a white horse. He wins and he destroys his enemies. And the psalmist says, I've seen the end. 
have seen the end. And brothers and sisters, when we've gone through difficult times, we need to look to the future and have hope that when the end comes, Christ will be king. I love that repetition in the books of Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia, written by that Christian writer C.S. Lewis. Aslan will come, and when Aslan is king, all will be right. All will be well when Aslan is king. And Aslan, of course, that great lion, that picture of Jesus. Jesus is coming, and the psalmist says, I've seen the future. And in the future, these enemies who seem to flourish actually perish. And those who flourish are those who put their hope in the living God. And so he finishes Psalm 92 by preaching hope to the generations, verse 12 down to verse 15. And it reminds me of that section of Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yields fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And I love here the psalmist in Psalm 92 says in verse 14, even in old age, they'll still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. And I say to some of you who are older, you may not be feeling vital and green, <laughs> but you know, those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. And if you're still here in the land of the living, however long each of us has, however long God spares us, he has something for us to do. And there's still fruit. There's still fruit to get. There's still fruit to come. They will declare, verse 15, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Be encouraged. God has fruitful days ahead if you remain rooted and grounded in him. Remain thankful. Sing his praise every day. Remind your heart of his love in the morning and his faithfulness at night. And although heaven is perhaps not in view in this psalm, the New Living Translation gives that impression in verse 13 by translating it this way. These people, the righteous, are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Thankful people discover that God reroots you. We talk about rerouting things, but that's not quite what we have in mind. But God reroots you. He reroots you and puts your roots in his very courts. And you'll you'll flourish in in the courts of our God. A friend of mine, I've never met him in person, but I've had a number of meetings with him on Zoom. He's a pastor of a church in Chicago. His name is Eric Hansen. Eric sits on the board of the church planting movement, M4. I mentioned it in church this morning, and I have the privilege of sitting on the European board of M4. And there are church, over 400 churches that have been planted in 15 nations across Europe. But Eric Hansen uh, died in his sleep two weeks ago while on mission in Brazil. He was there with a teenage son. They had gone from the States with a small mission team to a rural area. And earlier that day, he had posted on, uh, on Twitter or on Facebook, let's take up the call. It's time to go again to the nations. They still need to be one for Jesus. And that night, 
He went from this life to the life to come. He had his feet planted firmly in the word. He was looking to the future. He had fruit still to gain and God took him and he rerouted him and planted him in his home, taking him safely home. Brothers and sisters, I, I, I want to go with my boots on. Uh, like uh, Rachel's grandfather, you know, when he was still 90 years old, he was down at Glastonbury manning the Gideon stand at the entrance of the Glastonbury festival. And in his 90s, the Lord took him home. And we always said he'd go with his boots on. I want to go with my boots on, being thankful, giving thanks, praising God, reminding my heart of God's goodness to me, declaring his truth to those who don't know him so that the foolish might become wise. And one day God will reroute me, picking me up and placing me in his courts, in his house forever. May God help us to heed his word, to preach thankfulness, to sing praise, to proclaim a warning to fools and declare it to our own hearts, and to preach hope for those who have been going on ahead of us, who've been walking this way longer than us. Be encouraged. There is still more fruit to come. And one day we will find we've been transplanted into the eternal courts of the King of Kings. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for its uh, clarity, for its honesty, for its truthfulness. Lord, we confess that often there is that little voice of despair, of depression, of doubt. We ask that you would help us to be those who declare truth to ourselves, who remind ourselves of your faithfulness, who sing praise, thanking you for your love in the morning and your faithfulness in the evening. Father, might we be those who declare the, um, the end from the beginning that fools may discern that their end is destruction so that they too might come and find the way of wisdom to be those who put their trust and faith and hope in the living God. And Father, as we continue to seek to walk this way through the pandemic and we trust and we pray beyond this season into a new season ahead, may we have our roots deeply in you. May we be watered by your word and by the life-giving Holy Spirit. And Father, one day, may we have the joy of being transported from this world to the next, where we will, where our faith will give way to sight and we will see Jesus and we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. We pray this in his name and for his glory. Amen.